Hey, if you're not already subscribed to Neighborhood Twin Mom, please go ahead and do that so you don't miss any new episodes. Each episode will be coming out for season two on Thursdays. Today's guest is Megan Hertzfeld. She is mom to twin boys who she says are brothers that came out on the same day. We talk about her journey with infertility as well as her recent hysterectomy and being able to find community in twinhood and twin motherhood. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Hey, I'm Amber, mom to boy-girl twins plus three other girls. My oldest was in kindergarten when baby five came along. I have a lot of kids and a lot of practice parenting them, but when I have a question, I turn to an expert, another mom. I believe the best advice comes from moms in the trenches, living it day in and day out. So sit back as I ask the real experts, moms like you, all the advice you asked for, and some you didn't. This is Neighborhood Twin Mom. Welcome to the neighborhood. I have Megan Hertzfeld, and she is an author of two books, You Can Too, and A Dad's Guide to Newborn Twins, Unleashing Your Inner Super Dad. She's also the author of a blog. You, The blog is called You Two Came True. Two Came True. Oh, <laughs> like, wait, that's, that's different from the book. And with her buddy, Jen. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit. Perfect. Hi, I'm Megan, and I am one of the co-founders of Two Came True, where it's just basically an awesome community for moms, dads, anybody who has twins in their life to come and get resources, or if we don't have them, we'll outsource and find them for you. Um, we're huge believers of like, there's no one size fits all approach to parenting, especially twin parenting. We're just going to roll up our sleeves with you in the blog and kind of find the answers with you. And we share candid experiences about our like wins and our epic fails. And I'm not like afraid to tell you when I'm like, oh man, that was a total bust as a mom, but I learned from it, you know? So we started Two Came True when, gosh, in 2015, when I had my boys, it's actually kind of a funny story. Jen and I, we were teachers together in Denver and we went through our infertility for years and years. And we kind of got talking and became friends through infertility. And Jen had twin boys a couple of years before I did. And then finally, when we were going through IVF, we ended up having twin boys. And while I was pregnant, we just kind of got to chatting about funny things that would happen at the doctor's office with a twin pregnancy or, you know, something with IVF. And the next thing you know, somebody walked in and they go, you guys should put this somewhere online. This is either funny or this would be helpful to somebody else going through this. And I'm like, you're right. This is the stuff I Google at night, you know? So we ended up writing while I was pregnant. We kind of started brainstorming things. And then we hit publish while I was in the hospital and the day the boys were born. So it's two came true. And it's been bananas ever since. And I have to tell you, like, it's a total wild ride. If you would have down the road, if I was going to look back at myself and be like, are you going to be a writer? Then like, what? You know, I never would have thought I would have had twins either, but here we are. And I write about babies and pregnancy. And it's been really cool getting to know a lot of women and men through this experience and learn from other parents that have super cool ideas and just, you know, enjoy the ride while it's here. It's, it's fun. We're so in So are it. you and Jen both still teaching then? No, I actually, well, I had them on the first day of school too. So I guess, you oh, know, gosh. that kind of like made me take a year long maternity leave. And then I ended up moving with my husband up North a little farther. So I ended up doing the blog and then the book deals kind of started coming. And the next thing, you know, my life kind of just took a different course. I ended up coaching for a while. I was a literacy coach, but you know, I still love education so much, but I think for this season of life, I'm in it with my kids. They just started kindergarten this year. They're and six. Did you decide to put them in the same class? They are fraternal twins, right? They're fraternal. Yep. Um, I always say they're, they're brothers who came out on the same day, you know, like they, they don't even look alike half the time. 
they are in separate classes. We decided for our kids specifically, we're going to split them up just because there, I have a lot of reasons actually as a former educator, but okay. Yeah. Tell me, cause that okay. is, I feel like that's a bit big one for, for twin yes. parents yes. class, different class. And I always I say know. it depends on the twins, but you're it, an educator. So I'd love to hear. What you yes. Think. And I also agree with you. I do say it depends on the twins. You know, your kids best and you know what, where they're going to thrive. I'd say, consider a couple of things, you know, personally for my kids they're um, they tend to be competitive with each other. Um, I can tell early on, especially I had to teach them for a year during the pandemic when their preschool pre-K or whatever was canceled, you know, which was actually a super rad opportunity to teach my kids learn basics of reading and stuff, but they are super different learners. I, I kind of have an inkling one might have dyslexic tendencies and I won't be surprised if that comes out in a couple of years. I mean, anything from just like they're looking at each other. One education and learning just comes super, super easy. The other one, he's working really, really hard. One needs to be jumping up and down. The other one needs no noise. You know, they all have little things and I'm thinking, I would love for them, A, socially to just get to spread their wings like a kid that didn't have a twin. It's like a perk, right? It's a blessing and a curse sometimes, I think, because it's like, yeah, that would be sweet. I can stick my kid in the class and he would have a buddy and he wouldn't have to feel that first day nerves, right? But you know, there's a flip side to that too. He could go spread his wings in his own class and make his own friends and learn what it's like to feel uncomfortable and, you know, roll with it. So we decided to split them up for a couple of reasons. One, the educational piece. I, I don't want one to go into school and be like, yeah, this is amazing. I'm learning everything. And the other one, I don't know, cause it's their first year at school to be like, this is hard. I'm struggling. And, you know, then yeah. it's like, well, you know, I I don't want them to sit at the reading table and just compete, compete, compete. I want them to like, also figure out who they are as a learner and what are their needs, how to advocate for that. I know it's just kindergarten, but you can really be surprised with kids and you give them the chance. Did you ever teach twins? Oh yeah. One year when I was teaching third grade, before I was a literacy specialist, I taught six sets of twins and I have to say, uh, yes, but we platooned. So that year I would teach literacy in the morning and afternoon. And my partner taught uh, math and science. So we would split. So in the morning I had a couple sets, but they were all split. So I had half the twins in the morning, half in the afternoon, all their siblings. So interesting. it was hilarious. It was actually super cool because when I went to conferences, I could talk to their parents because I had both their kids just the same time of day. It was actually convenient for the parents. <laughs> As you said, that sounds like a, the perfect scenario where the parent it's convenient for the parent uh-huh. because that's the main reason why I keep my twins together. And uh-huh. because of pandemic reasons that for quarantine, it's like, just makes more sense to have them in the same class than less exposure in the household. But, totally. but parent teacher conference, man, that would be, uh-huh. that'd be great. That's like the best of both worlds. Okay. So you had infertility for a very long time and you were you taught at the same school with Jen and she had infertility and you guys kind of bonded over that yes but then she gets pregnant way before you like a couple years before Mm -hmm. you right yep what was that like and did that affect your friendship no actually it didn't it was like any other person I think at the time when you're when you're in the throes of infertility every friend who gets pregnant or every post or everything you see around you is pregnancy or you walk by the aisle at Target and there's baby gear, you know, you're just thinking, oh my gosh, everything it's baby on the brain. Right. So you're super excited, but deep down there's that, like, is this ever going to happen to me? You know? And that's just being honest, you know, you're never not happy for your friends, but at the same time, you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't know, like this might not happen for me. You know, you're trying every single month and treatment after treatment, you know, but no, it did not affect our friendship. If anything, it, it, gave me hope really, because I could see how happy she was. And Jen had a really specific 
infertility experience that was actually pretty different than mine, which is, I think everybody going through that, every pregnancy is different anyways, but you know, it was interesting. Jen's, Jen's journey to kids. It was such a miracle that both of those embryos took and became and had this pregnancy that, you know, full-term pregnancy. It was, it was beautiful. And it was awesome to give me hope. Like, Hey, she had a rocky road and a rocky pregnancy and look at it happened to her, you know? Yeah. So then you had someone to kind of model after, cause she has two twin boys and you have twin boys. Was she helpful or did she scare you? When- <laughs> no, <laughs> she was actually, she was like my calming presence amongst the storm, to be honest, because, you know, when Jen went through this and she had to get that box of medicine, when you were going through IVF, she cried because she was like, Oh my gosh, it was so overwhelming. She didn't have anybody else to turn to through IVF to be like, chill. This is going to be okay. You got this instead. She, she thought, Oh my gosh. And she was very overwhelmed. But because of that, she took that experience and she gave it to me and said, Hey, when you get this box, this is the start of your journey. Don't fear this. You know? And I was like, you're right. I can, I can spin this narrative. I got this, you know? So it was cool when the, when the box came, I was like, slow clapping, being like, this is go time. Let's go. I'm so excited. So I had a a little bit different lens. And I think a lot of that was thanks to Jen and her experience and how she could help me channel that into more positive thinking, you know? Yeah. And so then just recently, so you had twins, which is awesome. When you go through infertility, I feel like anybody who gets pregnant with with twins through infertility, it's like, oh, thank goodness. Like it worked and it worked twice. Like so (laughs) exciting. Most of uh, that's my experience in noticing people. But then you recently had to have a hysterectomy. Were you guys planning on having more kids? And no, I actually, when, when Max, he was baby B, when he came out, I literally was like, that's it. Our family's complete. I had that moment. I know a lot of people say they don't have that moment and they, they still wonder, but I knew that second, I was like, this is it. Our family's complete. I felt that. So no, Matt and I were always super pumped. If we could have a family, we, we weren't even sure for a while what was going to be in the cards. So the fact that we were able to have twins, we, we were so psyched and that was it. We knew two was a great number. We felt so blessed. This crazy as I don't like that word. <laughs> I felt blessed. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. You can use that word. <laughs> then you recently had to have a hysterectomy. Will you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Totally. So a couple years into the boys, you know, they were, I was in arms deep babies everywhere. Then they're toddlers. Then we moved to a different city and life was just going by, right? You're kind of surviving. Well, the next thing, you know, I just was like paying more attention to my body. Like my gut health was off. Something was so wrong. And I was like, I'm always getting sick after I eat food. And I didn't know it was wrong. So I got tested by this nutritionist and they thought I was celiac for a while, Mm. but it turns out I had SIBO and leaky gut essentially. And some, my gut health and my gut biome was way off. So I took months to take things out of my diet and put it back in and get my gut health right. Because I was afraid to just take medicine after all these years of IVF and stuff. I was like, I might grow a third nipple when I'm 50, you know, because I've been juicing up on all these drugs. Like I just want to take like supplements or figure out how to eat without like gluten or whatever it's going to be. Right. So the next thing, you know, I, I figured all that out and I, I started to feel really good. Like my gut was good. I'm like, this is how the other half live. Okay. Yeah. Well, Next thing you know, I'm like, okay, my gut's in check. I know what to eat. If I start to have these IBS attacks, something's still off. You know, when at night you lay in bed and you're just like, something's not right. 
something is not right. My period started getting so, like so heavy. My migraines, my anxiety was through the roof. And I, I'm not a typically anxious person. I think as a mom, I, I've become way more anxious. And I think yeah. a lot of that attributes like the control stuff through the IVF process, maybe for me personally. But I was like, something's just not right. This this doesn't seem normal. I'm, pl- I'm now planning trips around cycles and stuff because I am, it's that bad. Wow. So I go into my OB and I basically tried a bunch of things and they, they, they looked at me and were like, you know, I wouldn't waste my time even with an ablation. It's not gonna, it's not gonna do anything, but put a bandaid on this. Like I've got cysts galore from what they could see. And I was like, you know what? I know we're done having kids. A hysterectomy sounds like the best fit given like all of my medical history. And we don't have enough time to talk about all of that. So <laughs> boom, I sign up, I schedule for this hysterectomy mentally. I'm like, okay, I've got this. I reached out to a couple women I know in my age bracket who have said they've had them and just to kind of pick their brains on what I'm really looking at. You and just I just turned since, 40. So you're still I, young. I'm 41 now, but yes, I was 40 when that happened. Yep. And so, um, my kids were five at the time, which also was like, in my mind, mentally a you know, a good age where they could help get things because I know I couldn't like carry them and lift a lot. And so that would have been a lot harder if they were toddlers. And so I went in to get my hysterectomy. And what happened was I woke up and it didn't go as planned. So I ended up having two hysterectomies back to back, like a month apart. So basically my uterus was attached to my bell and all my fibroids. No, no. And so hence what this would make sense with all the gut health issue I had had for years. So I was so glad I finally was like, what is wrong with my stomach stuff? This isn't normal. Well, all of that was because my bowel ended up being like a kinked hose and my uterus attached with adhesions and endometriosis to it. So because of that, it was just like nothing was moving and grooving. So they decided to stop the surgery. And luckily one of my friends was the emergency surgeon on call that day. And they called her in just to give a second opinion. And she looks and she looks at the thing and she's like, Oh my gosh, I know her. Hold on a second. And so, um, she actually helped and was also in my second surgery and we did it so they could cut that off my bowel clean. But I woke up from that surgery and it also didn't go as planned. So when I woke up, they had to tell me they took my ovaries. So that was the hardest piece of that because I wasn't expecting it. But what I did learn was I had stage four endometriosis I had adhesions stuck all over my abdominal wall and my fibroids were attached to the rectum. It was just so willy nilly in there. It, it felt actually really good to just be like, huh, this is why I have felt this way for so long. I'm so glad because my friend who was the surgeon said, you're so lucky you didn't wait like two more years, Megan, you would have been wearing a bag for, for a long time. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's frightening. But I'm so proud of myself instead of like, you know, as moms, we tend to put our kids needs and everything goes first, right? We always say oxygen mask, but it's easier said than done sometimes given the seasonal life that you're in, I would say. I was so proud of myself for finally saying, no, like, I'm, I don't want to live my life like this. I want to get back out on the paddleboard with the kids. I want to play hockey and not feel like this anymore. And sure enough, that's what it was. And something was very wrong inside. So So how are you feeling now? Right now, honestly, I do feel like I've had a new lease on life. I'm not even kidding you. I, I did not know that this is what normal should feel like. It feels so good. Like my headaches have subsided, like 
I mean, just everything. I mean, Hey, I don't, I don't have a period anymore. Right? You just, you know, the only thing is tricky now I am on hormone therapy because I'm in surgical menopause. So that, that piece of my ovaries, again, it wasn't about having children for me personally anymore, that type of thing. I, I was way okay with that before my hysterectomy. Number one, it was this whole thing of, I woke up again and whoa, something was wrong. And now I'm going to have to adapt. And it sounds scary because in my mom's day, I know back when she had a hysterectomy and my grandma, it was like, Oh, you lose your ovaries and you go into this crazy menopause. And it just seemed different back then. And now it's so much more manageable. We have more resources. Science is more up to date, you know? So I have, I have more resources, you know, and I've, I've actually been seeing a therapist the past few months, mainly well, I also hit my deductible. So there's that. Right. But, um, <laughs> I, I want to get my head right to go with all this. That's a lot to unpack yeah. two back-to-back surgeries. And then we've really been unpacking a lot of the infertility stuff and what it did to my heart, but now I'm like working through it. So I do feel like I, I feel better than ever physically. Honestly, it feels awesome. What, what I, do you mean? Your, what infertility did to your heart? What do you mean? Well, like, like it, for so many years, it was up and down, up and down. Like I never, I never knew if we could have a family, then we were going to get on an adoption list. And then we were considering, you know, you try all these options, right. And you almost lose hope for us. It took four years. And so by the time we had our kids again, we were just so overjoyed that it actually happened that I didn't want to, like, we had to deal with embryos in the freezer afterwards. And then you, you weigh that on your heart too. Like I knew I couldn't have that many more babies and a lot of people would disagree, but that's not their story. Personally, that's personal to me. And I was already 35 at delivery. I couldn't keep having babies in my fifties and have a million kids. You know, there was, there's so much that goes with that and like feeling guilt, you know, and it's, it's a, it was a tough go, but we made it. <laughs> okay. So what's your best advice then for people who go through infertility? Cause it sounds to me like even this many years later, you're realizing now that you're, like yeah. you said, you're unpacking things. So do you have advice for people who are starting on that journey or yes. even better, like people who have finished it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's okay. So the people who finished it, I would say, let yourself feel however you feel because I know that it's easy to feel like, okay, but I have these kids, so I don't want to feel guilty or I have this, so I should just be happy. It's okay to feel sad about the other embryos, or it's okay to feel frustrated that you had a different experience than what you thought it might've been, right? Just still let yourself move through those feelings so that you can actually like enjoy the time with your kids that are here, you know, rather than just sweep it under the rug and be like, yep, that was just piece of my life. No big deal. I'm out the door because if it does, it'll come out later. And it, it didn't even for me come out later until after my hysterectomy. I don't know. Maybe it was the closure of the whole uterus. I don't, I don't know. It feels good to work through that. And also know that like, you're not alone. It's infertility in general is a very isolating and lonely process. A lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about it, especially sometimes I've I've realized I am an open book. So it's been personally, I enjoy talking to other women who are going through it because I don't have all the answers, but I can just be a listening ear. And my husband's been really awesome about it too, to other people, because they're like, yeah, but my husband doesn't know any guys who have gone through this. This is extremely stressful for them. I'm like, yeah, you know, like that's, it's a very personal thing. And a lot of people can point the finger or place blame, but honestly, like no one's choosing to this you know, I mean, yeah. so my, my advice would just be 
be open, communicate, and just honestly let yourself have those feelings and sit in them and feel them instead of just like try to push them around and not deal with them because it might come out later. (laughs) But if you are going and starting your infertility process, I would also give that same advice. Probably I would say, you know, it's okay to feel hope and it's okay to feel fear and frustrated and feel sad or whatever you're feeling. Just the worst was when people were like, it's okay. If you just stop trying, it's going to happen. I want to be like, yeah, you know what? Thank you. But I don't, that's, you don't, you have no idea what's going on inside of me. Clearly I didn't. So I would just say, don't try to have all the answers. Just keep your journey as your own and don't Google a ton all the time because there's a lot of stuff out there that like might take you away from that hope at the time, you know? So if you do your transfer, just chill off the line for a few days, you know, and just let your body enjoy some Hallmark Christmas movies or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So your twins are five now. What do you now? Oh, they're six. Okay. Yes. Yes. They're in kindergarten. So what do you wish they would, what you would have known the early years? Oh gosh, that it really does fly by so fast. I mean, I'm, I'm not even kidding you when Google pops up and it's like, Oh, this, this week, four years ago, I'm like four years ago, I have kids in school. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. You know, people always say, Oh, it flies by. But then I, as a twin mom, I'd be like, okay, I'm just trying to get to the dinner feeding to get to the bath, to get to the bed so I can get to the couch and just take a minute. You know, you have those routines and stuff. And I don't know. I just feel like I tried to soak it up as much as I could, but you're so tired for so many pieces of it. You wish you could go back and just the snuggles, you know? So here's a threshold. This is what, I don't know if you ever do this with your twins. How old are yours again? They're in first grade. They're seven. Okay. Okay. So, you know, just on their knuckles, I always call them baby dimples. When they're literally little, their hands were just so pudgy. They had those little knuckles, those little baby dimples on their knuckles and they would snuggle. And as they got older, I was like, oh my gosh, okay. They're still a little guy. They're still a little guy. They've got their baby dimples. And as they've been getting older, like even to this day, if they're sleeping and I go in to give them a kiss, sometimes they'll flip over their hand and I'm like, I like push it back. They're still little. Please tell me they're little. Cause in my mind, I'm going, oh man, you're already there. That's it. They're off. And you know, like once they're in school, it changes drastically. If those are the only two kids you have, like as a twin parent, it's your, it, if you don't have other siblings, let's preface right. that it's your first and last at the same time. Yeah. So it's like, you're so excited because you're like, I'm so excited for them. And I'm excited for me and we've had a good run, but yet they go to school and you're like, man, where did that go? That's yeah. it. That was like a season, right? Yeah. So My friend told me just, they come quick and then they leave quick, yeah. you know, cause they come in a pair or even just all the kids, but I have five kids, but even still. So I had four kids at home for a few years and then half of them left for school, you know? So even that's like from four to two, you're like, what the, it's, yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. Okay. So what's your favorite part? What's been your favorite stage so far? Gosh, you know, it's funny. I, I've always been like this in life, you know, I'm like, Oh, I loved college. Oh, I love, I'm always just like adventure going. I love it all. I, I really liked when they started to crawl. And they were mobile. I don't know if it was because I gave me a free arm, but also they were just funny chasing each other, banging stuff in cupboards they couldn't get to and exploring. And that was a super fun time, I think, just to really see them take off. But also four. I love the age four. They start to become super funny at four. You're dealing with less of the potty training stuff and of the tantrum-y stuff. You're more into just watching the true joy in a little kid enjoy everything. Yeah. 
that yeah i like three and four year olds they learned i feel like they learned so much at that age and the same thing you're less worried about nap schedules and that kind of a thing but i'm with you you gotta enjoy every single stage that's what i'm always telling my kids i've got a kid who says she's never growing up and i'm just like you just gotta enjoy every single age that you're at she's like i'm staying five forever i know (laughs) you can't baby girl I always say to you, like when they were really little, you know, snuggle me a little longer, a little longer. I kept me like, all right, even if it's a minute, sometimes it's 15, whatever I had in the time to give, but someday they're going to be 16, 17 and peace out. They're not going <laughs> to really care about that. And so I'm figuring to be around present while they're here and they still are, you know, little and enjoying this. Yeah. That's so hard on days when you're so tired and you're exhausted mentally and physically, mm-hmm. but it is a good reminder. Do so, yours ever go, you snuggled him longer. And I'm like, oh man, do I need to set a timer? I'm pretty sure you guys, I'm giving you all the love I've got in the tank, but it's late. <laughs> I do have some, lots of scorekeepers in the house <laughs> for, <laughs> for everything I do. Oh man. All right. Well, is there, I will link where we can find you. Is there anything else that you want to, your nuggets, you talk, you got a lot of stuff. I was like, planning on asking you a million more questions, but do you have any Uh, last nuggets you want to leave us with? I guess. Okay. I would say my, my last little nugget I want to leave you with is like for twin parents, like the best piece of advice that I could get would be trust yourself and don't let doubt creep in because there's a lot of seasons, like when they're, when they're itty bitty and they're newborns and then they're eating and then, you know, you start second guessing things. And then you, you wonder, Oh my gosh, is this right? Is this right? Just trust that, you know, your kids and that, what you do, whatever it is that you're doing is the best that you can do. And that is great. That is good enough for them. And that's all that they need. People shouldn't compare each other to, to, to your friends and your friend with one kid and a newborn isn't the same as what you're going with at home with two babies. So as much as they want to relate, it's, it is a little bit different and a lot a bit different. <laughs> you know, It's a lot. So, you know, I would just say that, like, just know that what you're doing is good enough. And if you feel like it's not, this too shall pass is cliche as that sounds pretty soon. These sleepless nights will turn into teething. And then, you know what, like you'll figure that out and you just have to roll with it and adapt and trust your partner. If you have one and hope that you guys are making the good decisions. And if not, they're going to be awesome, resilient kids because of it anyways. And they're all going to be good humans at some point. Yeah. That's awesome. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so and much. Say Megan. Yes to help. And say yes oh, to help. You know what? Yeah. That is so, yeah, I've said this a million times on the podcast, but that was the best advice somebody gave me. And I made a list on my fridge of people who said they'd help me and I called them mm-hmm. and I still ask people for help. I'm like, oh, it's a good skill to have. It is. And here's another thing. If you're a friend listening or you have a friend pregnant or you are a new pregnant twin person yourself, what you need to do is just say, I'm bringing you lunch what time can I drop it off? What would you like me to DoorDash you tonight? Because what I find is it's easier for them to be like, well, okay, we'll take Tokyo Joe's or okay, thank you. You have to like, let them do that piece. Not, Hey, if you need anything, let me know because you and I know I would give you a dinner in a heartbeat. Right. But I'm not going to go, you know what? I really could use that pizza tonight because I just can't get it together. My family. But if I say, Hey, I'm buying you dinner tomorrow night or tonight, you let me know. And what time you want it delivered? I'll take care of the rest it's, it takes so much off your shoulders. It's great. Was it you who said about the meal train, how you wished you would have organized it differently from friends? Was that you or was that Jen? Jen, but I think me too. I, I definitely was saying with my meal train, it was great. And my 
husband, everybody could eat it. But sometimes people would make like a baked ziti, which is great in theory, but I am just coming out of a double birth here. I can barely walk. I'm taking all my medicine. And if I eat that food is fuel, I'm going to go to sleep and pass out. You know, I need like something to give me energy, protein, healthy, you know, you can't have like a gut bomb right before when you don't have time to sleep. <laughs> it's um, a thought that counts. It really is. My kids are older, but recently I've seen like places that do signups. Now I can't remember the name of the website that my friends have used, but you can put what you're going to bring, especially so then you don't bring the same thing. My sister yes. had it. My sister had a surgery and she said she, everyone had lasagna, brought her lasagna. So she's like, I can't eat lasagna now. I had it for 10 nights in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's good for help, but it's also good to be specific with the help that you need. Yes. Yes. All I right. Be specific. Be specific. Thank you, Megan. You're welcome. Thanks for hanging out with me today. If you want to hang out some more, you can follow me on Instagram at neighborhood twin mom. If you want more info on what we talked about in this episode or a transcription of the audio, head to neighborhood twin If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star rating and review. This helps other people be able to find the podcast. Music for this episode was composed by Cameron Norby. Find more of his work on YouTube.